welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Marissa Taffner, who is a consultant, runs her own company, and specializes in project management and content development. Hello, Marissa. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Hey, Sean. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to learn more about your experience and talk about topics that are common here for our podcast. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind, can you give us a little bit more information about your background and how you got to be doing the work that you're doing today? Yeah, um, I started my career actually in sales. Um, I worked in um, a couple different sales organizations doing pretty much everything except for actually being the person that goes out and sells things. So like sales ops, sales coordination, um, sometimes a little bit of sales training, um, but I was never actually the salesperson. And about a decade into my career, I realized that if I wanted to continue in sales, I should probably go sell something. Um, So I ended up working for a startup media company, actually doing some of their event sponsorship sales ops and um, digital ad sales. Did that for about a year and then ended up working for a digital marketing agency that mostly specialized in SEO. And the reason I mention all of this is it'll it'll come full circle as I talk a little bit more about how I started uh, the business that I have now. But after doing that for a while, um, to be candid, I was a little burnout and trying to figure out where I wanted to go next in my career. And, and as I was interviewing, I started to realize that the thing that I wanted didn't quite exist in another organization and that maybe I should go build what I wanted for myself for myself. So I started consulting more on the fractional sales side, and there were just a lot of challenges with doing that. And to be candid, I kind of had to have the conversation with myself that I wasn't super happy doing the fractional sales consulting type work. Um, You know, I was, I liked the sales enablement part of it. So I started to pivot my business really gradually at first um, and by probably a year and a half, almost two years in, I was solely focused back on project management. And I do hold a PMP and some other project management certifications. And I kind of fell into this content development role for a couple of of really great brands and was finding that I really enjoyed doing that. So that's kind of how the business evolved at a really, really high level. But um, today, I've been in business a little over three years. And all of my business is either Project ma- in the project management space or in the content space, um, mostly doing long form blog posts for for companies that that need that kind of work. Helpful background. Thank you for that. Lots of questions pop up based on uh, what you've shared because I've experienced a lot of the same. We'll get into that, of course. But uh, before we do that, can you share maybe a little bit more detail about who your customer is, problems and challenges they're looking to have solved, and then how your services and what you offer wind up being a good fit for that. Sure. So I I serve two, maybe three primary customers. The first one is um, in any of the services I provide, marketers and marketing departments. So a lot of the folks that hire me for content are either small agencies who maybe have one or two copywriters, but they're growing really quickly and they're not quite ready to bring on another full-time copywriter and they just need somebody to come in and maybe work on like one client or it's a company with a marketing department of one or two people that just needs some extra support since content is just one of those things that's really, really important and 
a lot of companies need a lot of it. So I fit in really nicely in those roles on the content side. Um, And then on the project management side, I work with most, again, mostly marketers, but either folks who are new to project management or going, I know I need to do this, but I don't really know what I need to do or how I need to do it. And I also work with folks like agencies, again, with the the example of Fractional, where maybe we're growing really fast. We have one project or two projects that are kind of overflow. So it's not really enough to bring on a full-time person. And maybe the duration is, you know, six to 12 weeks where you just need somebody to help get everything launched, kicked off while you're hiring or figuring out who you need, what you need. Having somebody with my experience who can just come in help you keep everything moving, allow you to continue to to grow and expand the business um, while you're kind of figuring it out. It has been really helpful for a lot of my clients. So anybody who's in that boat should contact me. And then finally, I'm an Asana um, services partner. So I work with Asana customers to help either implement or adopt or even adapt their Asana usage. So I just came off of about a six-month engagement with a fairly big marketing department with fairly complex needs who's gone, we've been using this tool. We're kind of crashing into each other. We don't know what we don't know. We're trying to organize this so that everybody is able to see where projects are and how we're pacing. And then also able to see, you know, kind of down to the task level, like, what do I need to do when I come in today? So those are the kinds of folks that I work with. I know it's a a big variety. But um, I I really enjoy playing all of these roles. So um, probably not going to give up any of my services anytime soon. I know the feeling. (laughs) I've uh, experienced much of the same. And I can't say enough good things about the having the skills that you have in setting up Asana appropriately. So having used it extensively myself and being a fan of the system, I've seen a lot of people go sideways quite a bit when trying to make the most of it and use it wrong. Uh, I'm sure you have some horror stories there, uh, stuff that you've cleaned up. My first experience with Asana was a couple of years ago. It was We were using them in an agency. I was not familiar with the software at the time. And I didn't, there, there's a lot of features that have come out between then and now that, you know, I, I was like, I could use, if only it would do this, if only it would do that. Um, so now it does. Um, and, you know, it's always funny. I go back and say, my first experience was me firing you and choosing another tool that, you know, did other things. And now I'm, I'm the one teaching people how to use the tool because I think they've, they've also grown so much in the last three or four years. It's really incredible. The features that are rolling out and, how helpful it can be, like you said, if you're setting it up correctly for your business, which is where we come in. You know, anybody can go get those training videos off the shelf, but working with a services partner to really dig into your business and your needs and make sure that it's set up for your team is really the secret sauce in what we do and why the program with Asana has been so successful. Well said. Totally come full circle at that point, right? Uh, it's great to be able to see the product as it evolves as well, too, and not to geek out about that because that's where I do. I'm that's where I do my consulting work. Uh, so it's always cool to watch the product as it evolves, especially if you were there on the earlier side. But um, must be nice now, right? Oh, cool. <laughs> what you wanted then is now available, which is cool. Thank you for sharing. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how you connect with your target market customer? Like what are your primary channels for getting connected with them and finding opportunities to work with them? 
So again, something that that's evolved over the course of my consultancy. Um, you know, I tell people in the beginning when I first started my business, I would go to the opening of every napkin where I thought people might be who needed to hear about my business. Um, in the beginning, you know, you feel like a broken record. Like you need to tell people you have this business um, because, as I'm sure you know, referrals are always the best source of business, especially when people really understand what you do. And I think with a business like mine, where I do so many different things and, you know, it, it, there are people who will grasp onto like bits and pieces and I'll get a referral that it, it's just something that I like either I don't do or I can't help or, you know, and, and I'm always happy to pass those referrals on. So networking is probably one of the biggest ways that I get in front of potential customers or people who are potential customer adjacent. So joining all of those professional associations, going to every networking event you can, whether it's in person or virtual. But I will say in the last probably year, I've really started to focus in on what works for my business. So because I really focus on marketing marketers and Asana folks, um, I have a bit of a passive pipeline with Asana since they have a database of pros like me. Um, we all do different things. Our rates are all different. So depending on a potential client's criteria, you know, they're searching and filtering. So it's just a matter of optimizing that profile to make sure that the people that are contacting me are the kind of people that I help best, um, who are in line from a budget perspective, who are in line from a timing perspective. Um, there are people who will reach out and be like, I need this done and I need it done today. And unfortunately, that's not a model I can work with in my business. So that's a, a really strong pipeline for me. Um, I found that a lot of my best relationships come from some of the networking groups, like even their Slack workspaces where you know, you're talking to people all day, every day. People start to understand your expertise. Um, and I've had people from those groups reach out and be like, hey, we know you do this. We've seen you comment you know, on somebody's post and it was very thoughtful and we'd like to talk to you more. Um, one of my my longest standing content clients where I'm coming up on three years with them actually came out of just being in a Slack workspace with somebody who was looking for a writer in an industry that I knew a lot about. Um, so that that's really how I get in front of my target clients. Um, I probably in the next year or so will need to start focusing a little bit more on marketing. But since my book's been so full, um, it, it's been a consistent but lower priority for me. Well said, and I can definitely relate to that. We talked about that in our last conversation in terms of myself falling into right what we talk about on this show, the consulting trap and that like feast and famine routine that all consultants essentially experience one or multiple times throughout their career. That's kind of where I want to go next because I, I hear you speaking a little bit more about that and saying things related to it, like being busy in particular, wanting to invest in these marketing activities. That's something I went through last quarter of last year, and I'm still focusing on now, I kind of built more of a routine for myself. And I'm curious to hear more from your perspective, because I want to share that story. And what has that been like for you throughout the course of your consulting career? Uh, in those instances where you've been in either feast or famine, you know, what's gotten you into the slower times? And how have you gotten yourself out of it? Um, you know, I really only had one really, really scary, like, oh my God, I'm about to like not have any work coming in and I don't know where the next engagement's coming from. It's only happened to me one time. Um, you know, and I don't say that to brag. I do say that to say that there are some deliberate things that I've done to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I, 
some of it was luck that I literally ended an engagement on Thursday. And on Friday, somebody called me and was like, hey, we want to move forward. When can you start? And I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, it was like, yeah, Monday. Great. Cool. You know, it's like, don't let them see you sweat, but I'm not going to lie. I was sweating a little bit and it was very early in my business. And, you know, it's one of those things that when you think about going out on your own, people, people talk about a lot, but there are so many things you can do to keep from falling into that trap. So a couple of the things that I do are, I have a couple of very long-term, very small retainers. Um, one of actually I have two retainers that are coming up on three years. One of them's pretty small, one of them's not so small. And that really gives me at least enough consistent income to know that, like, well, that's probably not entirely enough to pay the bills on. It gets me pretty close. So between that and the thing that I always tell people, if you're thinking about starting a consulting business, the very first thing you need to start doing is pay yourself first. Um, And that's very cliche advice. But before you start investing money into a flashy tech stack or heavy advertising, I always recommend you start socking away, you know, three to six months of emergency living expenses before you do that. And I know it's a little chicken egg cart horse, but that way if something falls apart, you're going to be okay. You don't have to take those, you know, panic survival jobs. You don't have to go, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm going to go look, you know, I'm going to go back and look for for a job working for somebody else. If that's not something you want to do, if you get to a point where you're like, hey, this isn't working, I want to go work for somebody else again, like, you know, take the lessons you learned as a consultant and cool, go do that. But if you're looking to kind of have a, a full pipeline and not hit that, what you we were talking about is that feast and famine trap, having dedicated time on your schedule for networking, for marketing. And it could be as little as, you know, an hour a week for networking and an hour a week for marketing. And marketing could be as simple as, you know, going on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever for, for 20 minutes and writing a post engaging with people that are are your ideal customer profile. Um, and, you know, it's like exercise. A little bit every day gives you those cumulative results. You know, if you want to run a marathon, you don't go out and just run 26 miles. You start doing things little by little to get to that point. So even if you're really busy, just finding that 15 or 20 minutes, you know, three times a week to to engage with people and to Even, you know, if you're a consultant and you're working a little bit lonely, get out of your bubble and go talk to somebody else. It's going to help bring business into your pipeline, but then it's also going to make you a smarter and better consultant because you're talking to other people. So apologies if that was a little rambly, but that's kind of how I, how I avoid that feast and famine trap. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about that is there's going to be slow periods. So just, you know, understanding that this is not like working a nine to five where you get a paycheck every two weeks with the same amount of money in it. Um, you know, it's something you need to prepare for a little bit. But what you can also do is write down two numbers, one that I call the ceiling and one that I call the floor. So if you're consistently earning below the floor, you know you have a problem. Um, and if you're hitting the ceiling every month, you maybe need to start thinking about scaling or adjusting your goals or Think about how you how you want to grow, and that's the part that's really exciting to me. Thank you. There's a ton of stuff I want to unpack there because it was really valuable. The first thing I want to talk more about is making it sustainable. Is kind of how I would rephrase what you were talking about in terms of 
socking away a couple of bucks when you do get busy, uh, especially you know as you're getting started, in order to prepare for those you know eventual ebbs and flows in activity as you're getting your consulting practice off the ground. I think that's a really great way to think about it because uh, there are a lot of folks they get almost obsessively focused on growth, which I understand and can appreciate. You know, a certain amount of dedication to figuring out how to grow from where you are. But at the same time, more than anything, like you're not going to be able to grow if you can't sustain, right? So there's an order of operations there. So prioritizing that first, I think, is important to prepare yourself to not, as you had described, kind of take some of those rescue jobs, which can essentially, you know, they can set you back in a big way from the progress that you feel like you are making because you weren't adequately prepared when, you know, if and when that does happen, which happens to all of us. And I've been there several times myself. Plus, I would add that quite a bit of it may also happen naturally. I think us as consultants, we fear the worst with, you know, oh no, you know, I'm going to be in this situation that's just kind of kind of happened to me. I think what we don't often think about is the perspective where we choose to be there ourselves occasionally when we make some strategic changes. You started talking about that towards the tail end of what you were saying, which I want to talk about a little bit more. But as you think about making strategic changes to your business, there may be ebbs and flows related to that as well, too. So it, the catalyst may not necessarily be just what the market will support or what you have invested in or whatever. It might be something you decide as well, too. So even more important to do what you had recommended, which is you know save a couple of bucks for the occasional rainy day or when you want to make that change proactively. Then you also talked a bit about investing in other areas and making sure that you continue to be proactive with things that will help support your growth elsewhere despite how active you may be with whatever active engagements you have going on at the moment. And that I can't underscore that enough. And that that's where I've fallen victim to that, you know, famine element of that curve and the consulting trap myself. I get excited and uh, maybe a little bit too much so in uh, addressing the opportunities I have to work active engagements based on the demand that there currently is. But if you do that too much, that really starts to zap any available time you have to invest and be proactive in these other areas, which is important for us to continue to manage the channels where new activity comes from. So got to realize that it can't be all or you know all of one or all of the other. You really need to strike an appropriate balance regardless of how busy you get. Um, and I, I know that's one of the areas with one of the biggest challenges for myself because I see opportunity. I want to pounce on it. So uh, have to occasionally be smart about those decisions because otherwise you'll, you know, accelerate that timetable and you'll be um, experiencing a, a few additional setbacks that may challenge your growth. The next thing I wanted to ask you about is something you talked about towards the end there. I like this concept of like the ceiling and the floor. So I'm curious to hear more from your perspective about that. But as you think about scaling what you're doing and perhaps repositioning yourself as you learn more about the kind of work that you want to do. This is something that I've done for my product consulting business next step where I've wanted to focus more on the strategic work and a little bit less so on the implementation stuff. I've also worked towards productizing some of my offerings and having opportunities to experience some of what you described as well too, which has helped you like those retainers and things like that. Uh, I'm curious to hear more from you in terms of whether or not you've experimented here at all yet, or perhaps that's something that you're looking at next. 
So to be really honest with you, there's one thing that we didn't really talk about. And that's the like, what do you want to do? And a lot of times people will say to me, you know, in five years, do you want to be doing content strategy or do you always want to be a writer? Like those kinds of things. Or like, why are you even still doing content when, you know, maybe the project management hourly rates tend to be higher? And the honest answer is because I like it. My my content clients are incredible. They're so much fun to work with. Um, you know, I've gotten to a point where I I kind of know where I'm going to be successful, and I have pretty strict criteria for content, cl- like how I work with content clients. I don't do one off pieces anymore. I um, I mean, there's always an exception to the rule, but generally speaking, I don't take on one off assignments. Um, I don't take on anything under a certain you know dollar amount threshold anymore. We, we've gotten past that point. Um, and I only take on things that I want to write about. So, you know, when you talk about the ceiling and the floor, you also have to think about, you know, and I said this to another entrepreneur the other day, I said, make a Venn diagram. So what are the things that you love to do? What are the things that you get the most profit from? Hopefully those two things intersect somewhere. Um, if they don't, that's a whole other conversation. And you know, maybe it's a matter of these are the things I do as like a hobby or a side hustle, and these are the things that are my business and that I focus on because I need to make a living. But you know, it's always my hope for people that those things at least intersect, so that you can start to grow maybe from that place or focus on finding more opportunities in that place. But like you said, sometimes you know they're taking the time to find the right opportunity is hard. It can take time. It can take patience. But I think the more that we as consultants and entrepreneurs do to focus on who is that right customer and how can I engage with them, a lot of those opportunities will start to come to you a little bit more organically. You know, like I said, I have clients who've been with me for years. I have clients who come back for multiple engagements. Um, and as a consultant, that is literally the highest compliment anybody can give you. Um, when you do contract work, you don't have the same you know labor protections as you do when you're working a full time job. So you know if people don't like you or you're not doing what you're there to do, usually you're gone. So when people you know ask to extend contracts or bring me back on for another retainer or send me another month of content briefs, you know it, it's a huge compliment and it's not something that I take for granted. But then another thing you know to go off what you were saying is when you think about growth. You know, over years, clients need to grow with you. So whether that means, you know, revisiting scope, taking price, deciding how you want to grow the relationship, you know, those are conversations that as a consultant, you need to have with long-term clients consistently. Hopefully that was helpful. It was. And I agreed as well. Also, thank you for sharing that content as well, too. It's helpful to think through for folks that are going through these phases in terms of how they can best set up their practices to prepare for these eventual kind of like ups and downs as it comes to running their own consulting businesses as well too. Thank you for being here, Marissa, and sharing this information. Super helpful. I have two questions for you before we let you go. And the first is, are there any resources that you share with the audience where they can kind of go to learn more about anything we talked about here today? Yeah. One of the things that I would recommend is there's this fantastic list of um, public Slack workspaces. I'm going to share that with you if you want to include it in the show notes. But what, what people can do is actually go through that list and find groups of either 
other consultants or professionals who do what you do is great to network. Um, some of my best referrals come from other consultants or even places where you can go like hang out and chat with your your target customer. Um, you know, usually there's a lot of rules around like, don't be salesy, don't be obnoxious. But if you go in and engage, I'd be very surprised if people don't start come knocking, you know, asking about consulting or, or what you do or what you offer. So I'll share that with you. If you want to share that with everybody, I think that's a great place to start. And then if folks are interested in getting a little bit better at, using LinkedIn for networking or for some of this. Just I, I like it because you can go in and do it in like little chunks. Um, Twitter is also fantastic. But for LinkedIn specifically, there's a course call or it's not even a course. It's a it's like a guided 30-day um kind of dive right in thing called Brand 30. Um, it's run by a guy named Andrew Mewborn. Um, and I, I had a chance to participate in one of the pilots and I thought it was really helpful. I'm not going to lie. I didn't finish it, but I, I did really get a lot out of it. And it was really helpful for me. And if building that consistency is something that you need help with, um, that's a great resource as well. Great suggestions uh, on both counts. Thank you for that. When I get them from you, I'll link to those in the show notes. So anybody listening here, if you want to know more about some of those specific details, just go there to find out more. And then the last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? So the people that should reach out to me is anybody who wants to learn more about project management or needs help with content creation, um, specifically anybody in the marketing space, just because I tend to work a lot more with marketers. And if you want to get in touch with me or learn more about my services, the best way to do that is my website mtafferconsulting.com. Excellent. Thank you, Marissa. We'll link to that obviously as well too. Thanks for being here and sharing your experience with our audience. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have a suggestion for a future episode or you would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at sean at podcastchef.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at podcastchef.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T chef.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our Podcasting Done For You service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your consulting business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck. Uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically 
Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.